Okay, uh, we are uh, back. 12 minutes after that, I believe the county executive, uh, is he on the phone? He, we got him. Let's get right to him. Busy man he is. Uh, he runs the show. Seven County Executive Steve Malone, happy to announce, by the way, first Wednesday of every month. Uh, he will be with us, and we loved having him. Sir, good to have you here. Good to be with you, Jay. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, let's, uh, you know, I'll tell you. Steve, I spoke with the sheriff yesterday, old Tulon Jr. I spoke with the chief of the department, that being Stu Cameron, at 7 o'clock this morning. And I said the common denominator with those two is they do it right. Communication and everything else. I think one of the big right. reasons why we have seen not what we have seen in New York City and Points West is because of those department heads right there. Talk about that for a second as far as the protests and everything else uh, and uh, what we have seen locally here. Yeah, no, no question about that. Uh, leadership matters. And, you know, we have some outstanding leaders in law enforcement here. Of course, our commissioner, Jerry Hart, but um, Dr. Earl Toulon, who's the sheriff, uh, just does an incredible job. You've got Chief Cameron, uh, really one of the most uh, professional and, and really expert law enforcement uh, people that I've ever encountered. He is absolutely tremendous, and we communicate on a regular basis. And look, we have had here protests all week. We had another half dozen yesterday, and we have not seen anything like uh, what we've seen in communities across the country, what we've seen in New York City. And it is a credit both to the to the demonstrators, people who are protesting, expressing their uh, First Amendment rights, wanting to get their message out, but it's a credit to the police department as well, who have shown incredible restraint, given protesters latitude, and uh, really reflecting that they're part of the community. And this is a message we put out all the time. The police don't come into the community. They're a part of the community, and they've been working to build bridges and, and relationships with all of our communities across the county for years. And that's why in this moment, that's where it makes a difference. You can't, you can't manufacture that in, in a crisis. That has to be work you've done leading up to that crisis. And uh, that's the work they've done. And I think the result has been, uh, you know, we stand in contrast to what's happened in other parts of the country. Well, question, uh, you know, the chief made it a point as well, Steve, regarding the vetting process. You know, it's it's almost as if, you know, you, you, you kind of make it different uh, every year, making sure, you know, background checks and talking with one uh, because it's a, it's a special job for a special person. And not everybody can be a police officer. I mean, let's face it. But I, I like what the chief said as far as the the overall questioning, the interviewing, the the vetting overall. You know, I kind of like that. Oh, yeah. Our, our police officers are vetted. They are highly trained. We continue to do training, um, you know, constantly throughout the year. Uh, our police academy, I think, is, is one of the best, if not the best in the country. Uh, they do an amazing job. So, yeah, and you can see it in their, in their performance, their professionalism. Uh, again, the restraint they, they've demonstrated and and how they have given uh, protesters uh, latitude and um, really proud of of people in the community and, and proud of the police department uh, for for what they've done here in this crisis no question county executive steve along with us uh let's uh let's shift to covid uh it looks like phase two is on uh, tap uh, hopefully for all the island next week uh, i know there was a little bit of a spike i read i think somewhere regarding the county uh is it hospitalizations uh, i'm sorry new cases i guess yeah so number it, of, it, 
Yeah. It, does that alter anything as far as being on target for phase two, Steve? No, that was the number of positive cases. And, and yes, that number really did pop out at me yesterday when I saw it. Uh, so it was 275 new cases. We hadn't seen numbers like that in uh, a few weeks. Uh, we've been below 100 for the last couple of weeks, and that's very good, and we want to stay there. The number of new people testing positive. So it was 275 yesterday, and uh, I dug into that and said, what's going on? And it turns out that there were some... Uh, unreported cases that just got added into the system. Yesterday, these people had test positive, tested positive earlier last month, uh, but they had never been reported. So they were added yesterday, and I made that note. So if you took those out, we were pretty much in line with where we've been for the last couple of weeks. So uh, really no change, and, and that's a good thing. We're, we're continuing to move in a positive direction uh, as, we, as we get closer to being able to go into phase two. Absolutely. I know the governor actually did a good thing yesterday. He's going to actually shift uh, some categories of phase three into two. He sees the trends and everything else. And I thought that was a very good maneuver on his part. What was your reaction overall? Yeah, I, look, we've been making the case that we can, we believe, safely accelerate some of the things. We talk about outdoor dining a lot. We think that is something that can be done based on what we know uh, if you if you are socially distancing, if you keep the tables apart, that you have the uh, employees uh, in their face coverings, uh, people in their own group, uh, that can be done safely. The outdoor environment is a is a pretty safe environment if you're especially if you're taking precautions socially distancing. So um, we think that can be done. And we're talking to communities upstate that have already been through phase one because we're getting information from them about what their experience has been. And what we're hearing is that they really haven't seen an uptick in the number of cases going through phase one. That should help inform us. If, if they're not seeing that up there, I don't think there's any reason we should be here. Uh, and, and maybe that means we could accelerate a little bit for, faster. Question. I mean, my only concern with all the protests and whatnot, you know, right. it's about making yep. sure that people understand that we haven't eradicated this virus, that we still have to use the precautions, the mask. You'd like to see a little bit more of that. And I'm sure you're thinking along those same lines, right? Absolutely. We're going to see uh, this is somewhat of a uh, experiment that's going on uh, right now. Fortunately, we have seen a lot of people in face coverings, obviously not a lot of social distancing. Um, in, in the protest, but, but but a lot of people have been wearing those face coverings. That's a good thing. Um, but in other instances, not. So we'll see in the next 10 days or so uh, if there is an uptick in the number of cases. But I'm hopeful that uh, overall that people have you know been wearing the face coverings and that's not going to have a really significant impact. We, we will see, though. People have used their heads, you know, got a little ugly in Merrick, I know, yesterday, and I know in Shirley Massick, I think there were two arrests uh, and anything else, but, uh, I mean, the Shirley area, that was, that was the only dicey-type situation regarding these things, right, Steve? Am I, am I right with that? Really, that was the only area of concern regarding the protesters. Yeah, no, no, um, no property damage, no looting, no uh, violence uh, of any sort, but... There was uh, in blocking of traffic, there were marching on William Floyd, which the police are there. They're trying to keep protesters safe. Obviously, they're there to make sure um, that there isn't going to be any violence or property damage, of course. But 
they're they're there to make sure protesters can be safe while they're expressing their First Amendment rights. Um, so the police are going to be very concerned when um, people are marching in the roadway. And uh, at a certain point, the police made the decision that uh, that had to stop, and they they blocked it off, and a couple of people got arrested uh, that uh, didn't comply, and uh, the protesters turned back, and uh, it dissipated after that. So police really did, as I said, a great job, provided a lot of latitude, uh, were uh, very restrained in their response appropriately, and uh, the result was, uh, a, a, I think, a positive outcome. A question. Kenny Zixi along with us. Uh, you just got word in the private sector in this country uh, Steve lost 2.7 million jobs, uh, and it keeps coming. You know, I, I kind of like, and listen, it's all about the small businesses opening it up, uh, hopefully hanging on and whatnot. Uh, I kind of like the 18 million I was reading in low-interest loans to be made to Long Island's smallest of small businesses, right? Nonprofits, residential landlords. This is from a $100 million, if I have that right, the, the New York Forward Loan Fund. Well needed, I think, that 18 million right now. Yeah, we're taking 250000 uh to leverage $5 million in loans from our uh, EFC uh, and and our IDA to uh, help uh, facilitate small loans to uh, businesses here that desperately need it. We have to, we've been talking about this for a while now. We have to get our economy going again. Uh, we know we have a long road to recovery, but there has been economic devastation here, and that really was highlighted by what um, we've seen with the county financial situation. We just had a report that was issued from an independent group of municipal finance experts, and they provided really a, a stark, sobering look at what COVID-19 has done to uh, the county's finances. We're looking at anywhere over the next two and a half years between a $1.1 billion hole to $1.5 billion. That is beyond, it's hard to even comprehend, Jay. That is that's far, far beyond anything this county has ever seen before. And we're not alone. Communities across the country are facing this. But of course, we were harder hit than most places in our nation. So uh, the devastation here is real. And quite frankly, this is the, this is the moment in time that we we really need our federal representatives to uh, to to step up and deliver for the local community because this burden, uh, this huge hole, should not be borne by local taxpayers. It should not be borne by first responders who literally right now are out there every day uh, dealing with a public safety crisis and a public health crisis simultaneously. They shouldn't be worrying about the fact that, well, because of COVID-19 and there are no revenues, um, that we may not be able to make payroll. That should not be a concern of first responders now. This is a national emergency, and this is really when you need the national government to step in and uh, provide real relief. And it's a large number, uh, a billion and a half dollars over three years. Yeah, it's a large yeah, number. Jay, it's, it's, it's beyond... Uh, you know, comprehension really. One and a half billion dollars is basically half of the county's budget in any given year. Um, you know, we've never had an experience. These are Great Depression era level numbers, and we know why. Look, the economy was shut down, but this is this is what people were told to do. The CDC, um, 
you know, guidelines. We have to do a pause. This is the way you stop the transmission of the virus. Everybody here did what they were supposed to do, and guess what? It worked. We, we saved countless lives. We stopped the spread of the virus. But now there's a bill to that, right? And, and the, the question is, who should be on the hook for that? Should it be the, the local taxpayers who did not uh, cause COVID-19, had nothing to do with, with how we responded to it, other than doing their job? Should the first responders uh, be responsible for that bill? I think, of course not. You know, we've talked about this a lot on this show, Jay, how we send to Washington way more in, in tax dollars than we ever get in return. Billions every year. We send billions more to Washington every single year than we get back here on Long Island. But when a, a crisis like this happens, we've been hit harder than anywhere else. This is the moment where we expect our national government to say, hey, no, we're going to send the money back uh, to you to deal with this crisis. And that's what we need. And the good news is here, look, we've had great, great partnerships dealing with this crisis with our federal leadership. Senator Schumer has been outstanding. Congressman Zeldin, we have worked closely with him on PPE, the municipal liquidity facility. Congressman Swazi, Congressman King. Congressman King crossed party lines to vote for the House bill. Now, we don't expect that that's going to be the final result, but, you know, the fact that he, he did that, again, our federal representatives have shown that they are fighting for us here, and, and this is the moment of crisis that we really need them to deliver for us. You know, the way that, uh, I mean, this is how our representatives are needed, uh, that especially that of uh, Zeldin and King. And we saw how Lee Zeldin was so vital as far as Steve Mnuchin was concerned, right, Steve? I mean, that was a pretty good right. situation. And you'd like to see a little bit more of that magic now uh, transferred right. into, into this. So you, you, you hope that the relationships and the alignment and everything else will prove to be uh, in, in pretty good situations for the county as far yeah. as that's concerned, too. This is obviously this is not this is obvious to everyone. This is a critical moment in our country right now. And whether we're going to be able to recover uh, quickly is is going to be determined in large part by what the federal government does now and the kind of relief they're willing to provide now still at the beginning of this crisis where you have local communities that are dealing with public safety crises and public health crises still in the midst of that, um, uh, allowing them to be able to do that with, you know, the financial relief that is needed and taking that, that burden off of local taxpayers and, and the essential employees and first responders who are out there dealing with these crises on a daily basis. This is the moment. Uh, you know, you send people to Washington to deliver the resources that are necessary uh, to bring back to the local community. This is the moment we need it now more than ever. A question, two quick ones for you before we let you go. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to get gifts, but we'll certainly take 50,000 surgical masks from the <laughs> Taiwanese government. My goodness, yeah. who would have thunk that one, right? We'll take it, yeah. though, right? Yeah, absolutely. 50,000 surgical masks, Taiwan. Uh, and by the way, they were a great example because they had the experience with SARS, there is really, Jay, there's no replacement for having gone through something yourself in terms of learning. You know, they talk about experiential learning, going through an experience. Now, this experience has been excruciating and horrific, but I'm confident we are going to learn something out of this. Taiwan went through SARS. Now, if you look at what happened to them this time, because they had that experience, they're right next to China. Because they had that experience... They reacted immediately, and uh, as a result, 
they have had very few deaths. They 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 limited number of of cases, um, and they're in a position now where they can uh, send supplies uh, to us. They've delivered fifty thousand surgical masks. But I think it's a great thing to be able to say too, because you know you've heard the comments that oh maybe authoritarian regimes like China are better prepared to. I think that's nonsense. You look at China, democratic, open society. They handled it, but they had the experience before. You know, we've never really faced anything like this in modern times uh, in the United States. So uh, that's an important lesson. You learn from the things that you go through, and I think we will take away lessons from from this experience, no doubt, and we'll be better prepared for the next time. Yeah, no question. Last one, and we've gotten a lot of calls. The property tax deadline, I know, uh, instead of May 31, that was pushed, I believe, now to June 21. There are a lot of people, including a lot of Suffolk supervisors, uh, who would love to see even a longer extension. I know they're pressing for maybe an August 1st deadline for tax payments. What can you tell us? I know it's kind of there for June 21. Do you foresee even a further extension? Well, we we um, worked with our villages, uh, towns. We had a municipal finance group. Actually, the school districts were on there, library districts, fire districts. And we came up with a longer extension than that, that would push it to July 15th. So we're still uh, working with the state trying to get that pushed back because we had to deal with all of the different issues because at the same time that we're trying to provide as you know long a time as we can uh, to give people more time as the economy's closed, people are going to be just getting back to work, give them a little more time to be able to pay. We also have to uh, address all of the governmental issues, make sure we're not uh, causing defaults in 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 payments that would wreak havoc on taxpayers, uh, not just in the short term, but for many years. Uh, so we have to balance between providing short-term property tax relief and not doing things that are going to cause long-term property uh, tax damage to um, to residents. So we pushed for a longer extension, 45 days. We're still pushing for that, and I'm hopeful we're going to be able to see it extended beyond. Right now, because the 21st falls on a Sunday, basically the, the payments are due uh, June 22nd, but we're hopeful that that's going to get extended further now, and we're working awesome. towards that. Excellent. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Can't thank you enough for a couple of minutes, and uh, we certainly appreciate your monthly visits. More to come, and we look Absolutely. forward to talking with you in July. We that's thank great. You. Thank, thank you, Jay.